How are you today? Good, 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 good. I don't know if you noticed, but we had uh, double-barreled bandanas on stage today. Zach's, one of these days, revival will break out here when we all wear the bandanas. That's, it's going to happen. Feel it. Hi, my name is Dave Sherwood. I am the lead pastor here at Cornerstone. If you're a visitor, we're super glad that you're here today. Um, If you've got any questions, you want to find out more information about the church, what you would do is you'd go out into the foyer after the end of the service, turn to the right, there's a pallet wall there, there's some people that work guest services, you can find out more information about the church there. I've got a couple of announcements for you, and then we'll jump into the last of our series, Sparks in the Dark. So the first announcement is Bethesda Mission Donations, uh, beginning Sunday, June 2nd to Sunday, June 16th. We're collecting items for the men's shelter at Bethesda Mission. You can find out more information about stuff at guest services. I will tell you, because I worked with homeless people for about a year and a half, two years, one of the best things that you can buy for them are really thick socks, not cheap, crappy socks. Thick ones, because you got to wash them like in sinks and you know you're out and about, but it's a comfort level thing. You put in a lot of miles when you're homeless, doing a lot of different things. Thick socks. So that's one thing. Next thing is pancake breakfast. This Saturday, June 1st, tickets are eight bucks at the door and the proceeds benefit the Austin Angels Fund as well as Benevolence Fund. You can get out more information about that at guest services as well. And then at least one more announcement, which is we're doing the Aroma Sports Camp in June. And so that's run by some college students. We've got housing for all of the college students except for three young ladies. So if you've got a house and it has a roof on it and you have food in your house and it would be great if you could take in uh, three students for the week that we're doing Aroma Sports Camp. You can find out more information at guest services, and you can open up your house to them there as well, and we'll get back in touch with you. Sound good? Yeah. That's perfect. Jeez. Wow. I don't don't know about these people, God. All right. I'm going to pray. If you'll jump into the prayer with me, and then we'll we'll get rolling. Father God, we come to you this morning. And Father... um, All of us are in a different place. Some of us are really close to you right now. Some of us are far away. Some of us are trying to come back from a vacation from you. Some of us are looking for you for the very first time. We ask, Father, that you would show up in the midst of these words, this music, this space. We pray that you would enter into our hearts and our minds and lead and guide us to yourself. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus the Christ, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Okay. Um, it's Memorial Day, right? So what I want you to do is I want you to think about Memorial Day for a second, and I want you to think about praying about Memorial Day, and here's the way I want you to think about it. I want you to think about all of the people who have lost loved ones in the military and are lonely for them. Today's message is about loneliness, and I want you to think about kids that don't have mom or dad, spouse that doesn't have husband or wife. I want you to think about what they're going through, and I want you to enter into it in terms of prayer. But I also want you to be thinking about, starting right now, loneliness. Maybe you're experiencing it right now, maybe you're not. 
I know that statistically what's going on in the United States is we are getting lonelier and lonelier as a population, and it's affecting our depression more and more. Now, the funny thing is you can go out there and you can look like you're not experiencing loneliness. I'm on social media all the time, and I'm on this club, I'm on this sports team, I'm busy with my kids this and my that, and I'm hanging out. And... But that's not the real question. It's not, it's not just proximity of people. It's who do I open up my, my true transparency to? The things that are breaking my heart, the things that have wounded me, the things that I'm struggling with, my ideas, my dreams, my hopes. Where are those people and where are those places? Because eventually if we can't express our pain, if we can't express our hopes and our dreams, if we can't express our questions with some depth with somebody, then all that stuff is unresolved and, and we lack intimacy in our lives. Throughout the Bible, there's all kinds of people that go through patches of loneliness. It says that Jesus intentionally experienced loneliness, that he would get up early in the morning and he would go to a lonely or desolate place to spend time with his father. Paul, a couple of different times, says that he's abandoned by people or betrayed by people or left alone by people. And so sometimes we experience loneliness because of that. Hosea, Jeremiah, Esther, Mary. There's all these biblical characters that experience loneliness. And the question this morning is kind of a two-part one. One is, what's your own experience of loneliness? And then the second part is, are you ending the loneliness of others? In fact, let me make it even a little bit more deeper and weird. There's this guy named Blaise Pascal. He's a famous French mathematician Christian guy. And he is famous for this quote. And the quote is this, that there's a God-shaped vacuum inside of all of us. That it doesn't matter if you have a best friend. It doesn't matter if you have a spouse. It doesn't matter if you have all sorts of things. If you don't have a deep dynamic relationship with God, you're always going to feel a certain amount of vacuum, of loneliness, because only he can fill it. He's actually built us that way. He's built us for connection to him. He's built us for connection to other people as well, but are we deeply connected to him? And, and the thing that I want to do is I want to kind of flip that coin upside down. So if on one side is there's this God-shaped vacuum inside of each of us, the question is this, is there a vacuum in God that only you can fulfill? That God looks around and there's a certain amount of loneliness that he has uniquely for John or Nancy or Ken or Adrian. And that God is lonely and longing for you. That in creating you, it wasn't just the fun of the idea of creating you. The idea was to be with you forever. And he sees you completely. He sees you transparently, whether you want to be transparent or not. And he still wants to lavish love out towards you just the way you are. He wants to transform you, but he loves you just the way you are. Loneliness starts intentionally 
In Genesis 2.18, it says this. God's making all kinds of stuff. And it says this, Then the Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So God's made all kinds of stuff, night and day and up and down and everything else. But he's made this guy, but he's made this guy, and he intentionally makes him alone. He doesn't give him his matching pair because he wants him to experience loneliness. Now, why would he want him to experience loneliness? Well, oftentimes to appreciate the thing that's not there. I want you to imagine one day God's up there. He's made all this cool stuff. Angels are super impressed. Night, day, up, down, stars, quarks, cool stuff. God turns to an angel and says, hey, angel, how's, how's the stuff I made? Angel's like, great. And God says to the angel, how's, how's Adam doing? And angel says, oh, um, well, he's sitting on a lazy boy watching ESPN 24 hours a day eating Cheetos with a keg of beer on his belly, and it's probably not good that he's alone. (laughs) Got to send him a wife. Get him back in shape, doing some chores, all that good stuff. (laughs) But more than that, Adam is experiencing an intentional loneliness that's driving him outward. What do I mean by that? I mean, he's experiencing a loneliness. God made everything good. He's experienced a loneliness that God deposits in him, waiting for its completion. And that is an interesting question for all of us then. Are we really islands complete unto ourselves, utterly autonomous, strong in our independence? Or is that just American and machismo nonsense? Are we built for deep connection to God? Are we built for deep connection to one another? Are we built to take care of one another's loneliness and to fill in the gaps? And what's it going to be like if we live life that way? And you'll notice that we can't live life that way if we're on social media 24-7 and we're in front of our TV and our internet and our video games and all kinds of other things. And again, it's got nothing to do with being in proximity to people. We're in proximity to people all the time at work, and maybe on a sports team, and even in, in, a, in a room like this. But that's not intimacy. What's it like to enter into the promise of the intimacy that God designed us for? It says this in Psalm 102, 6 through 7. The psalmist writes, and he says, describing his own loneliness, he says, I am like a pelican of the wilderness. I am like an owl of the desert. I lie awake and I am like a sparrow alone on the housetop. You're not alone if you experience loneliness. There's plenty of people in Scripture and in the world that have experienced it. What you might be alone in is how to end it. Now, you could Google, how do I end loneliness? And it's going to say, Captain Obvious, right? It's going to say, hey, join a, join a club or join some social organization or volunteer someplace. And that's fine. That's great. And I, I, I would wish everybody to do those sort of things. But again, we're not just talking about proximity to people. 
We're talking about the deep intimacy and transparency that you were designed for. The loneliness that I experienced hit when I was about 14, 15 years of age. What happened is my, my friends and I kind of all just went south with each other. We were, we, were, we were bad kids. Police chased us. So, you know, you blow up on each other. My family kind of went down in flames. Like my, my two older sisters moved out. My dad had an affair. And so there I am. My, my family's kind of gone. My friends are, are gone. And this huge loneliness is starting to capture my attention. And I can't share anything with anybody. Sure, they can send you to a counselor, and I'm all for going to counselors. And, and, and there's, you know, I could go see the guidance counselor, and that's great. But where's the, just the natural, normal relationship where I can open up and be myself? In fact, I want you to notice something weird about your design. Okay? Emotions are things that, you know, we experience in here, right? Now, you would think, if God understood men, that, that it would just be up here. Why is it that when I'm angry, my face does this? Why is it when I'm sad, this crap comes out of my eyes? If you'll notice, God's kind of built this little sabotage in us where our emotions get displayed on our visage, on our face. Now, the curious thing is why? We already know we're experiencing them. We don't need this help. It's on our face as a display to others about what's going on with us. As much as anybody, I want to be a rugged man, alone unto myself, tough and, and rugged and, and Clint Eastwoody, and, you know, I don't need nobody, nothing. Okay, that, that's fine. It's just crap. It's just not true. It'd be great if it was. That's how strokes happen. That's how addictions happen. That's how pornography you get sucked into and alcoholism and everything else. That's what happens because the way we're designed is for this connection. And so David's out there and he's saying, this is what my loneliness looks like. Now here's the thing that might be a little bit strange. What if your loneliness actually isn't a problem, it's a solution? Now hear me on this. What if we, as human beings, have a tendency, particularly in our society, to be caught up with nonsense? Video games and TV shows and sometimes hunting and fishing and workaholism and all kinds. We're just dealing with all the shallowness of life. But all of a sudden, loneliness hits. And you got this loneliness and you try to stuff Netflix down your throat, and you try to stuff workaholism down your throat, you try to stuff all sorts of things, but it just doesn't, it doesn't take care of that loneliness because it's a God-shaped vacuum. And that what loneliness is doing is loneliness is that light on your dashboard of your car that's going off that's saying there's something you have to do, and that something is you've got to make a deep connection to God. That part of what your loneliness does is it drives you towards God. In my case, I might have never looked for God if my little Americana dream had worked out in the suburbs. 
And all my friends were perfect, and we all went off to college, and we all married the perfect little, and we all got Volvos, and we all got expensive houses, and we all blah, 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 blah. Thankfully, there were plenty of car crashes in my American dream that woke me up to something more substantial. But it was hard. Psalm 2710 says this, My father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. What does it mean to be forsaken? Well, in my case, my mom and dad, my, my father had an affair. And from the day that my parents' affair became public, kind of in our house, my father and my mother were no longer emotionally or relationally available to me ever. And so that design that God had, that safe place, was removed, just burned down to ashes. But here's what it did. It sent me out searching. What if there is a God? What if God wants me? What if God loves me? What if God, all of those questions opened themselves up? And I'm as dark and cynical as any native-born New Yorker is. But I realize now that even though in a lot of ways that night that the, the things happened in my family all went south, that that night I, I felt like an orphan. Really what was happening is I was beginning an adoption process with God. My parents were going to fail me sooner or later because they can't do everything perfectly. That's just the way it is. Sooner or later was going to be the God question anyways because friends are going to fail the American dream certainly is going to fail. All kinds of things are going to fail. Sooner or later, something else. It says, but the, but the Lord will take me up. Well, what does that look like? In Psalm 68, 5 through 6, it gives you a couple of indications. It says this, it says, that God is a father of the fatherless. He's a judge for the widows. I'll explain that in a second is God in his holy habitation. God makes a home for the lonely and he leads out the prisoners into prosperity. What it meant for me was that even though my father had kind of crashed and burned as a father and a husband, that all of a sudden I'm stepping into scripture and I'm crying out, God, Father God. And I'm reading Proverbs and I'm reading Psalms and that vacuum of failed fathership, God the Father steps into. He steps into my loneliness, but he also steps into the failure of all sorts of roles in my life. When it says that he's a judge for the widows, that, that's actually a good thing. The widows oftentimes in the Old Testament are very vulnerable people. And so they don't have a husband who's taking care of them. And they can't own property and all kinds of other things. And so oftentimes judges would step in and make sure that they would get the resources that they needed. And God's self-displaying himself and he's saying, hey, look, there's an orphan out there who feels like they're all alone and I'm going to step into taking care of them. And there's a widow out there who feels like they're all alone, and I'm going to step into that. And then there at the bottom it says, he leads out the prisoners into prosperity. 
That there's this prisoner who's in prison for whatever reason. You're in these dark walls and you're overwhelmed and you feel like a failure and you feel alone. And God says, I'm going to step into that. That's what God wants to do. He wants to step into the loneliness and the vacuums in all of our lives. The other thing that it says here is God makes a home for the lonely. Now, this was fascinating to me as somebody that wasn't raised like in the church. I'm the guy that used to drive by the church and go, "Ah, look at those idiots. They're weak-minded, emotionally just... I used to drive by all the time. It's snicker. It's archaic. It's ancient. It's insane. Who would, who would go there? Until, of course, my life was devastated enough for me to go, okay, not just the whole God question, is God there for me relationally and emotionally, but are his people there for me? Not just will God adopt me, will they adopt me? I was pleasantly surprised because as annoying a personality as I have now, (laughs) hanging by a thread, it was way worse back then. And yet I stepped into church and here, here are these people shaking my hand and giving me a hug and remembering my name and checking on me. And then there were some people that were taking me out to breakfast and lunch and I've never seen anything like this. I I mean, if you're not a a churched person, you just are like, okay, life is dog-eat-dog. It's everybody against everybody. That's the way the suburbs work. And if your family fails, then you're screwed. But I walked into church, and I had a new family. And I was amazed. I was amazed that that was even possible. Where else do you go? Where else do you step in and get a new family? It's the only place I know on earth. Now, does that family always get it right? No, no, they don't. They don't always get it right. I wish they did. But I want you to notice something, that I'm telling you to deeply entrust your heart and your loneliness to God. Now, God may give you a family and and help out, But here's what I want to tell you. Your your church family will sometimes not get the job done perfectly. Let me give you a story from Paul. It says in 2 Timothy 4, 16 through 17, Paul's out preaching. He's telling people about Jesus. And um, he gets in trouble with the authorities. He's going to be dragged to court, basically. And it says this. At my first defense, he goes to court, no one supported me. So I want you to imagine you're a bunch of Christians, you're protesting something, or you're a bunch of Christians and you're doing something and you're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm busted, but I'm doing this thing for Jesus. And you know what? My bros, my squad got my back. <laughs> what? <laughs> no one supported me. All deserted me. Notice what he says next. May it not be counted against them. Why? Why? I mean, when people bail on you, you're like, yeah, count that against them. (laughs) So Paul says. Why? Because notice what he says next. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me 
so that through me the proclamation may be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was rescued out of the lion's den. One of the things you're going to notice about Paul, if you read a bunch of the stories and the letters that he wrote in the New Testament, is Paul's got this primary core connection to God that dominates everything. It then affects all the other relationships. So when all the other relationships fail and bail, he's so deeply connected to God that he can extend grace. Now here's the deal. If you're not that deeply connected to God, oh man, then we're petty. Then we do revenge. Then we do bitterness. Then we do all sorts of things. So when I throw out this idea of loneliness and core saturation in God, I mean that that's the non-negotiable. What does it look like to do that and to live that? It says that the Lord stood with me and he strengthened me. What's it like to get to the place where you are aware God's standing right here with me, I'm not alone? And to be locked and loaded on that. To really feel that. And what's it like to have this sense, not only that God's standing with you, but that he's strengthening you? James 4.8 says this, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. What's this promise? This promise is that God wants to have you step deeply towards him, and that he's going to step deeply towards you. And you might go, well, you know, I do that. Hear me out for a second. Do you? Let me give you a couple of examples. You can get up and pray. Man, I pray. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing near to God through prayer. I get up and I say, God, help me not to be a tool at work today and help me to be nice to my kids and nice to my spouse and help me to not drive like a, a maniac and um, we're good. Is that sort of prayer deeply transformational or relational? It's not. I can say to Amy, Amy, I love you. Looking good. You're looking good today. Okay, and that's, and that's fine. I, I can say it quick, I love you. But that's not deeply transformational or relational. Now, if Amy and I have a 10-minute conversation and we lock eyes... How you doing? <laughs> it's going to get better. If we have a half hour conversation, if we have a two hour conversation, all of a sudden what she's saying to me and what I'm saying to her is deeply intimate and transparent. In fact, if you'll notice, if you're talking to anybody, you, we all have the same tendency. We start out talking about relatively shallow things and tasks, but the more we hang out with somebody, we core down to deeper things. Nobody just can fesses right away. When they do, we're like, oh, awkward, I'm, I'm heading the other way. <laughs> or we see it on Facebook and we say, praying for you. Ah. Okay? My point is this. God wants to step into your loneliness in a deep, relational, intimate sort of way, which means that you're going to have to pray a lot more substantially with tears, with anger, and with time. God is a rewarder of those that diligently search for him. 
Not somebody that just hashtags him. Somebody that goes deeper. Same thing with the Bible. Hey, you know what? Me and God are tight. Every single day, I get my Bible memory verse. And, you know, I read it. And then I ignore it all day, and I couldn't tell you the next day what it was. But every day, I, like, I get my little memory verse. Who cares? I, I mean, I appreciate your religiosity, but that's not what this is all about. The question is, do I sit down with God, look him in the eye, like a father, he's teaching me. Sometimes he's correcting me. Sometimes he's encouraging me. Sometimes he's instructing me. But it saturates and changes and transforms my life. Is that what's going on? Because your loneliness will go away if you're starting to build this sort of a prayer and word-based relationship with God. But these little clips off on the edges, that's not going to do anything. Same thing with worship. Do you ever autopilot here, even on Sunday morning? La, 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 love something, Jesus, yeah, I know the song. But the question is, are you thinking about it? Are you experiencing it? Are you putting it into his presence? Is his presence coming into you? Or is it just a sing-along? Because again, you may not like what I'm giving, but part of the answer that I'm giving is that your loneliness can end, if not completely, mostly by this deep transformational relationship with God. But that doesn't just boot up automatically. You're like, well, that, that's not fair. You know, why is God got to make it so hard? He's not making it hard. He's doing the exact same thing we're doing. Hear me. If all I say to Amy is, you know, once every two weeks, hey, I love you, I ain't going to get any cuddles. <laughs> I've got to invest deeper than that. With my friends, the same thing. If I don't confess something deep to my friends, if I don't have deep conversations with my friends, then my friendships aren't going to have any substantial weight and meat to them. Enter in deeply to God. And you'll notice a lot of that loneliness will press itself out. I remember when I was a non-Christian, I was just considering Christianity. And I'm like, where are you? I'm so lonely. Psalm 139 says this. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in shield, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay a hold of me. Theologians call it omnipresence. What does it basically mean? It basically means God's already saturating existence. The only question is whether we have eyes to see and ears to hear and open ourselves up to it. You can listen to a worship song and get nothing out of it. You can open up scripture and get nothing out of it. You can pray and get nothing out of it. You can walk before a waterfall and get nothing out of it. You can do all sorts of things, or you can do those exact same things and open up your heart, open up your mind, open up your spirit, and God comes flooding and crashing in. It's our intentionality and it's our focus. And the psalmist basically says that God's saturating everywhere. And he wants to get in. But we have to open ourselves up 
to the experience. And it takes time. My cynicism, dude, it was rough. Am I talking to you? Am I talking to myself? Why do you want to hear this stuff? Because you already know this stuff. So I'm talking to you about stuff that you already know. This is stupid. I played those games. My grandson is how old? Three. I keep saying four, so I have to double check. He's three. He babbles completely incoherently. Every now and then he'll say, blah, 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 Aquaman. Okay? Do, do I want to listen to every word he says? I do. I, I want him to babble like a madman and hand him cookies. That's what God wants to do with you because candidly, that's all we do is babble like madmen. He wants us, He desires us. Do we want and do we desire Him? My loneliness, I wanted to be taken away by friends. I wanted my loneliness to be taken away by family. My friends, sooner or later, were going to move away and they're going to fail me on some level. My family, sooner or later, is going to fail on some level. Even church, sooner or later, is going to fail on some level. I didn't know it at the time, but the loneliness that I felt, I needed it filled up with Him. And then more than that, as He fills up my loneliness, a lot of things change. One of the things that changes is me by myself, I start to talk to myself the way he's talking to me. We talked a couple of weeks ago about my depression. My depression means that me alone in a room with myself can be dangerous because I say bad things to myself. You're terrible at this, you're terrible at this, this, okay? But the more God's on board in my life, what happens is I start talking to myself the way he talks to me. And he says things like, I'll never leave or forsake you. And the good word that I, work that I started in you, I will bring to completion. And I'm convinced that neither up nor down, left or right, can separate us from the love of God and a whole bunch of other things. And so when I start in my head about pounding on myself, all of a sudden God's like, uh-uh. Talk to yourself the way you talk, the way I talk to you. Otherwise, you're my enemy. So all of a sudden... The way I'm talking to myself is different, and the way I'm connecting and talking to God is different. And then if all these things go to plan, guess what happens next? Is I go out into the world and end other people's loneliness. I go up to Stonebridge, assisted living, and step into somebody's loneliness. Or I go join some group that's visiting people in prison, and I end their loneliness. Or I'm looking around at the kid sitting by himself at the lunch table. Or I'm looking around at the woman or the man at work who's taken off their wedding ring and I know they're divorced. And I, 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 I step in. I step in. God sends me on these missions. Because we are his hands and his feet and his voice. And if God wants to end people's loneliness, he does it through us. But we have to get our eyes off of ourselves and we keep waiting for God to send us stuff. He's sending himself to us. And as that fills up and expands our hearts, then he asks us to press out and to continue his mission. Some applications are this. If you're not alone in feeling lonely, then what will happen eventually is you'll connect with others intentionally. Step deep into intimacy with God. Learn to become a dynamic friend to yourself. And then purposely end the loneliness of others. That's... 
kind of the sequence. People changed my world. God changed my world through people. People that stepped into my life when I was extraordinarily fragile and vulnerable. May we be a people that do the same. Let me, let me pray, and then I'm going to talk to you real quick about the next series, and, and we'll be done. Father God, we come to you this morning, and we would ask that you would show us how to enter deeply into you. We know, Father, that you, you've built us for connection to you, and that oftentimes we're, we either ignore it or we're lazy about it. But God, would you help us to be diligent about connecting with you? And in that diligence, would you fill us? Fill us and fill us to overflowing that we might go into the lives of the lonely around us and show them who you are. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Next week, uh, we will start a new series that's the exact opposite of this series. Yeah, called Feasts and Funds. So, see you next week.